What's up, everybody? Prior to you jumping into the podcast, one thing to remember, we don't do sponsors here, so I'm going to sponsor myself. If you guys get a chance, check out the description where the Amazon affiliate link is there currently just for United States citizens only. Unfortunately, I can't seem to get it set up for everywhere around the world. I'll still try. If you get a chance, go out and get something on Amazon. Feel free to click that link and do so there. It helps the channel out a little bit and doesn't cost you anything. And now we're going back to the podcast. Sup, everybody? This is Carrick with ACG. Let's do this. Change that. I already hit record, got a little ways, and I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. Let's try this again. So one of the things I wanted to do is jump into this as quickly as I possible can, possibly can. Why is this coming back? Because I like doing it. And I know that a lot of people who jumped into the patron didn't jump into the patron for a role-playing podcast, and it's not taking away from any. So I want to tell you that right up front. But secondarily, if you like world building and video games, stay tuned because much of what occurs in tabletop or role-playing games rolls out into video games. That is how those guys created their worlds. In fact, most video gamers back in the day were actually tabletop and or role players as well. That's how you create a world fiction. A lot of the stuff that you'll hear me talk about is things that you'll either see in games tangentially or you'll see directly. So as we jump into this, I would love for you guys to use the affiliate link if you have a chance and you want to go to Amazon and buy, buy all your special stuff. You can go there. It doesn't hurt you at all. It doesn't cost you anything, but it does help the channel, especially as I don't do ads. I welcome you back. ACD, ACG D&D podcast. I'm going to probably change that because, you know, it's not just about D&D, but let's begin. I did get a question. I'm going to go through this quick. Fifth edition, Carrick, is that a good addition for newcomers? Any game is a good addition for newcomers. There really are some bad RPGs out there, I'm sure. But overall, any of the big games are good. I will say that as you look at any big title when it comes to jumping into a role-playing game, they will frame set you to understand all role-playing games after that in a particular way. Let me give you an example. World of Darkness is built on a far more narrative theater of the mind kind of thing where you're telling stories, you're rolling dice when those stories need them. And then you look at 5th edition, which, by the way, since 3rd edition has been really connected to video games. And that's something that they even hired actual workers who had worked on video games to help them make 3rd, 4th, and 5th editions feel more like video games. That's okay. It's not for me, though. I'm not a huge fan of having a bunch of miniatures because I always get that person who's, my miniature's slightly touching this, and you're like, oh my god, here we go. Or, I don't look exactly like my miniature, and you're like, yes, I get it. Or people are looking down and fiddling with stuff instead of engaging in the story. Everybody's different. I'm just explaining to you mine. So I would say be aware that if you get into 5th edition versus World of Darkness versus Warhammer 40,000 versus Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, even though currently that's a bit on hiatus, those kind of situations that you jump in, that will framework you a little bit. They also have different rules. I would say that right now, especially 5th fifth edition, is in a little bit of a flux. They're having some issues trying to decide exactly where they want to be. And one of the things that they've done, which no fault to them, if they want to do that, this is fine. But they've changed it so that their species, so like their elves, their dwarves, whatever, don't actually really have any impact necessarily on stats like you're used to in well pretty much any other game in the world so if you pick a orc in a game they maybe have more strength in a video game blah 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 and DD is on more on the social route where they're like hey listen some people find that race or or whatever 
and don't want to have that. So you do have to understand that they're in a bit of a flux right now, and you can certainly feel it and see it in some of their recent products. And whether you agree with that flux or disagree, what I'm saying is they're in it. And so be aware that some changes may occur as you're jumping in and you don't really know exactly where they're going. But all of those are fine. You really have to identify what your players and what you are interested in. And speaking of interesting, let's jump into the main thing here. The main thing here is I wanted to bring you guys along for a little bit of a brainstorming, a little bit of a creation system that I'm going to go with and walk you guys through a couple different things. These are things that you'll see video game developers do, tabletop developers, role-playing developers. They all do this as well as gamers. It just all depends. So we decided to create a D&D game for the patrons. So we're bringing people in, we're identifying different things, and I haven't got a lot of time to work on it because when I was creating this, I was in the middle of all these podcasts and all this stuff and only have recently stepped away from all this shit. But what is it? Imagine cyberpunk mixed with black magic, as black as you can imagine, and a world that's got a slightly different history than ours. That's what I wanted to go with. And I got these guys together, or not what I wanted to go with, I'm sorry, but I got these guys together and I was like, you guys make the game. And they just started riffing on stuff. They were like, we want to do cyberpunk, not fantasy. We want it to have horror, What? blah, blah, blah. And we were looking at Cyberpunk and Shadowrun. They were coming up with ideas and we decided to frame it in this way where magic was just coming back. So in a way, Shadowrun had their change where you know new races were coming about. This is where magic did not exist. Cyberpunk style existed. We're talking about probably 2087. We haven't really decided on the exact year where Cyberpunk is at a high level. VR is at a high level. AR, Blade Runner, all that kind of stuff you may see in a game and in this game but they wanted magic. And so what we decided is what would happen if somebody, or what it would be like, how cool would this be if virtual reality and AR became so intertwined with, with the world, with almost like Gaia, the spirit of the universe, even though that's technically the spirit of the world. What if they all got to, what if they've entwined so much that a person who was in a VR system died, was brought back to life and they brought a bit of it with them and something weird occurs, and that's your magic. And so we came up with the flux, and what this is is it's a strand of this other place. No one knows exactly what it is because this magic is brand new, and I'll describe that in a second as well. But as people die and come back, wherever they die, whatever form they die, may have an adjustment to the magic that they bring back or the ability. So somebody who drowns in water may come back I won't be this simple, but may come back with the ability to breathe water or create water. You get my drift. And all these things can happen. There's there's some randomness there. And we were like, how do we do this? How do we make this? And I'm like, let's inject as much chaos as possible. One of the things I hate, you guys have heard me talk about this. I hate like every single thing, even like Lord of the Rings is always, remember the good old days? Lord of the Rings is the best friend you invited who's brand new to the area and continues to tell you about his old cool friends. That's every fantasy slash cyberpunk futuristic thing ever. It's always about the fall. It's always about there. these were the good times, now this. So what I decided was more of a timeline where there was a couple bumps of technology, a steady rise, a couple ebbs, and we are at a point where magic is injected, the chaos of that within the last couple decades. What would that look like? How would that adjust AR? What if a person is cyberjacking into a bank vault and a, a fiery dragon made of Tron-like neon shows up and they're like, oh shit, I don't know what to do with, with this. How do those things clash off each other? Then I had to come up with a negative for the flux, as we called it. And we know the flux is used elsewhere. I just like the term. I think it works. Four-letter term, I find 
find when you when you come up with anything that is a, a big changer to your world, it's usually better to use short, more blunt words because that pays off a little bit better. And we Arcana Nirvana Technological could have been the name, but instead Flux, everybody knows it, right? And then using alliteration, Flux is one thing, use a F for another word, and pretty soon people can connect these. And this is important for newcomers to a game, whether it's a new world or a newcomers, they need things to latch onto. So we decided a little bit like George R.R. R. Martin's original wildcard series, where the wildcard virus showed up and it created really three kinds of superheroes. It either killed people or it created jokers, who were sort of your villains, deuces, which were your really low-level heroes, right? Or low-level, they had something very small, like a person could suddenly understand Spanish and they couldn't before. And then you had your aces, your guys, your superheroes, right? So we decided to do something that way as well, where there was negatives. So you come back, maybe you can control water, but something else happens. And we we started building this world around it. We're like, what would happen if superstars, and I started thinking about this, I was like, what would happen if you reverse Scientology away from, let's say, a Tom Cruise into what if icons live in this world and these characters are characters who have died multiple times and have gained power but as they have done so they're a little bit weird right almost like a movie star the more power they get a little bit weirder right and we were like we're gonna call them icons so i again i like these words i like to jot down a word and say icon flux these things pay off in spades later because when i say icon no one will think it means something else right in this game at least, they'll know exactly what that means. They'll be like a superstar, whether on purpose, which is even the dark part of this, where people can technically pay other people to kill them so they can return with power. But regardless, icons are people who have returned multiple times and their popularity is connected to it. Almost like an astronaut's popularity is connected to going into space, regardless of what the owner of Amazon says. So you have this situation we started putting these together, but one problem that always exists in a game world is how do you build characters in a game world where either the players or the world is new? So if the players aren't new, they still need to build characters into this. And if they're new and it's a new world, it's even harder. How do you do this? What we decided to do, or what I decided to do was take the flux itself and create a background using those words. Again, you'll notice that a lot of the stuff I do is language and that works the same way in reviews, but we chose, or I, again, I chose to use flux as the word for your background, taking each letter and making it mean something. So the first thing I decided was for backgrounds, F in flux means what is your very, very first memory? Not your first memory of blah, 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 but usually our first memory is something that's driving. That's usually how the natural way in which our nervous system works, where that first memory is something big, whether it be a family member, whether it be a special toy, whether it be some friend you met, it doesn't matter, right? So that's your first memory. L, which flux, again, F-L-U-X. L is your last memory that you had or the last thing that you did prior to the big change in your life, which I'll get to in a second. And so a lot of people take last memory to mean like, what's the very last memory you have? It could be like last night I ate noodles. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that makes that's cool. What if your first memory is yesterday? That explains your whole character right there. If your first memory is yesterday, then your last memory and the other steps we're going to go through, they can be even cooler because now you're like, holy shit, something's happened to this character, right? So you have your first memory, your last memory. Both of these will tie into things you did. They'll tie into your character building. But then you have 
the word unable. Now we might change this, but the reason why I use unable in flux is most humans change due to being unable to do something. That's the driving change in their life. So they're unable to lift the power that they want to lift. So they go and start lifting weights. They're unable to attract the person that they want. So they go and work out. They're unable to buy a thing that they want. So they buy it. And so what we decided to do, or I decided to do was take unable and just say, what's that driving hinge for you or for this character? What was something that they were unable to do that has now adjusted them into the next letter, which is your X factor, which by the way, it's really hard to find anything that goes with X xylophone, right? Yeah. So you have first memory, last memory, unable and X factor. I can say flux. They may not even remember the exact words, but they know how the step goes. Basically very, very long ago, not too long ago, the big change in their life and what's special about them. When you get these and you can tie in people, people have asked, they're like, if you have an X factor, then does the last memory or unable, do they have to tie into the X factor? Absolutely not. Your X factor could be that after all this, the X factor is that for whatever reason, your entire family is dead and you don't know why it has nothing to do with your first memory has nothing to do with your last memory. Maybe it does. Maybe it's a toy. And then as you role play for years, you find out that that toy was the last thing you saw as it dropped out of your parents' hand as they died. Right. You don't know. Or maybe the killer gave you that toy because he felt bad for doing so. Again, you don't know. But what you have is something that works with alliteration and also works with just lettering that buys people in, that makes it easier for them. And it also, of course, helps us. Flux is the name of the game as well. And in many D&D games and many video games, you'll see them use all kinds of acronyms. You'll see them use all kinds. STAT has been used. Um, I can't even remember. There's been so many. What I like to use is a couple acronyms for some of the other stuff. I usually leave the attributes to be whatever they are. Ours are like strength and perception, that kind of stuff. I usually don't try to make those fit in anything because once you get into the seven to eight to nine ratio, you start getting really weird, especially because in, in English, a lot of letters, a lot of spelling is like EA for strength, for example. And if you have those also as your strength attribute letters, it can be like A is ability, but it's actually like the fifth letter in, in strength. Like it just gets a little weird. So I usually don't do that. I usually leave the attributes stationary by themselves. Don't worry too much about alliteration or trying to come up with an acronym. But Flux works for a background for us. So I put that into play. Now, if you guys have followed me, some of the other characters that we've made, some of the other uh, ideas that I've used for making characters, especially idioms, which I think are incredibly uh, important. But what I want to do is describe to you a little bit about this world and some of the things that I've come up with and the ways I've done it. Now, a huge amount of what I do is based on a pyramid kind of system. There's multiple people who will tell you that this is used everywhere from novelists to role-playing creators, video game creators, what have you. You even see it, by the way, in HUDs. If you're playing a spaceship game many times, what is it that allows you to switch between your shields, your engines, and your guns? But a triangle or a pyramid, all right? So there's a reason why this is done. It's off center as well when it comes to uh, shooting games, for instance. You see a lot of people saying, man, I wish there were more four player co-op shooting games. The reason why three player co-op shooting games are actually so popular is because technically you can't go east, north, south, and west, for example, if you wanna defend a room. There's always something that is off kilter. What happens in role playing though, is I use and describe things, almost everything on the pyramid system or, or pyramid or triangle system. I wanna explain that to you. What I mean by that is when you go into a place, when you do a thing, when you explain anything to somebody, when you're creating something in the world, if you have three points minimum, 
you will usually be able to come up with something interesting. So let me describe to you the cybernetics in our world very simply. I like terms for things, so I came up with wetware, hardwired, and drywired. Now, a lot of people don't have this in their role-playing games. They have a mixed, and I was like, I don't really want this because I like the social factor. So let me describe this. So you create your triangle, you write hardwired, maybe at the top, wetware somewhere, and drywired. And I'm like, here's what I want to do. I want to create it almost like a rock, paper, scissors in a way, but not in power, but in how they do things and how they feel about each other. So I came up with the fact that what if drywired, which is your offset, the one you don't hear a lot, what if drywired is your characters who just use chemicals, stims, temporary changes, nicotine patches of the future, right? What if you take dry wired? It doesn't mean somebody can't have both, but what if you take dry wired to mean that where there isn't anything internally and there isn't anything chiseled onto them, but it's a chemical stimulant kind of person. We see this with PCP, the stories of people punching through windows. So what if a dry wired character is a character that doesn't like having cybernetics on them, doesn't like things inside them or stuff done to their DNA, but they have no issues with chemicals that allow for them to accelerate their learning like modafinil or I think it's called modafinil which is a, a, a brain drug or what have you. So that's your dry wired. That's one corner of this triangle. And then I was like wetware. Now wetware and hardwired, the reason why I wanted these is because, and I'll explain this in a second, I wanted slang for each one of them, but I decided wetware are your hormones, genetic alterations, your animal data mixers and DNA mixers between mankind and animal. What about extra body organs or animal replacements? Because that's different than hardwired and drywired. What if wetware is two hearts, right? What if you have a secondary heart that's in there and when you get hurt or when your adrenaline goes to a certain point, you have a chemical change in your body that pops, right? And that second heart kicks in. What would that do? How do you do that kind of thing? And I was like, wetware, that sounds cool. It sounds nasty. It sounds dirty. And again, I'm looking for a dark, super gritty. So now I've got wetware and dry wired. And I'm already thinking, what would happen if a wetware character fought a dry wired character? Or what if they had a mix? But we'll get to that. The next is hardwired. These are the things you expect, technical and cyborg, mechanical pistons, additional forces applied to human bodies, adjustments to their abilities, replacement limbs, damaged body parts. So here we go. You've got your triangle, wetware, hardwire, and dry wire. And I was like, this works great because it allows for this tit for tat where magic, by the way, you'll notice I didn't mention, isn't even in here. That's because this is more thought out in the actual world, if magic is just coming, it won't have these almost indoctrinated family-like traditions and names like wetware and hardwired and drywired, because it's brand new. It's brand new. People didn't know what the internet was, but they knew a lot about books, right? And it takes a while. So that's in a way, the big change that's happened is magic. Magic is your internet of the future times about a billion. But I was like, wetware, hardwired. And then I I never have anything in the game that I'm gonna have a term for where the game world doesn't know. If the game world doesn't know, it doesn't make sense. This is something you'll hear good developers talk about with video games. They'll be like, why call it something to the player without it being reflected in the fiction? So dry wire, I was like, I want some slang. So for the wet wires, let's have them call wet wired characters mutts. Among is another word, I believe. So their idea of wet weird characters is mixing of like shark DNA into getting nictating eyes, shine up their eyes like a dog, that kind of stuff. Their idea is that they're mutts, right? A dry wired character 
if they're super dry wired, if they're, that's their belief system, they'd be like, dude, that guy's just a mutt. So you ask him about a guy and he's, oh, you mean the mutt down there who owns the bar, right? Hardwired. I was like, what do you come up with? In my world, I also have three huge nationality switches that you pretty much probably haven't seen in any other game. And that is where it is a city, which we're not defining the term of where the city is, but it is a mix of what you would expect in a normal city. But the three major races are actually an old Viking slash Norwegian DNA mix that has come in. And I've got a whole reason why they were created. And and then people from around the world came as well. Once this you could call them race, but once this race came up and about South Africans, I've decided that we're going to mix South Africans in. I wanted to do something different. I was like, what if, or Africans overall, but the majority will be directly from the South. And as we go into the future, I've come up with reasons why a large, a large group comes to this city to help them with stuff and then stays. And as years go on, their traditions. So this is something you would see in other games where they might have the Oriental group that, or you call them Euro Asian at different times. It depends on where you're from and, and how you, how you verify different things you might have your caucasian or english depending on, on how you name it you might jamaicans we see that in a lot of i've noticed a lot of cyberpunk games they love their jamaican their characters what i did was i decided to have these three groups your your african your the the major group i would say which is the the overall world itself but the three major focuses would be your old style Norwegian, almost Vikings, almost cyber Vikings. Like imagine Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but in the future where their characters, that's my dog, sorry, but your characters are like have LEDs on their dreadlocks and they're huge. They maybe use an axe that has the ability to like sear flesh, all this kind of stuff. And then you have your South Africans who've come here and they're definitely more of the gang style, like you'll see on documentaries a, a lot about African gangs. And then the Oriental stuff and the Asian stuff, I was like, how do I want to go about this to make them different? And I've done something I'm not even going to tell you guys. I think it's pretty cool. But again, that's another triangle. Wetware, hardwired, drywired is a triangle. The races or the majority of the focal races will meet right away. Also a triangle. The reason why is because if you think of a triangle and you think of it pointing up like, nor like normal, if you think of a triangle and then you draw a circle around it, so that circle, of course, touches all of them. And you think of it like the world itself is that circle, which means other nationalities, other races, other groups may come in. Wetware, hardware, drywire. There may be other types, but it's usually a mix of those other types, right? Or something from the side, which in this case is magic. And it works very well to solidify you. And I would tell you right now, if you're making a world or if you're making an idea, draw a circle, put a triangle in the center of it and write out three different things that you have. We see it with dwarves, humans, and elves that very many times where they were the triangle of races and then other races filled in that circle until now you would say that's a pentagram, even though that sounds demonic, but you get my drift. And ease of understanding, ease of memorization are important to me. It's almost brutish in how easy it is to remember a triangle. One of the things that this works really well for is whether you're online, you got a sketch pad or whether you're on a piece of paper in front of you or whether you're using damn somehow you've got triangles at your house. But putting these down in front of you can also let you connect the world much easier. For example, wetware, hardwired, drywired. My idea was that, of course, a wetware or hardwired character would most likely beat a drywired character. They would have their negatives, of course, whether that be energy for batteries, whether it have to be the difficulty of getting a 
surgeon to do your surgery, if you want animal eyes, what have you, versus dry wired, which would just be chemicals, but then dry wired, they could get fatigued, their body isn't prepared for these things, so they're burning the candle a little bit at both ends, right? You have all these things. But let's say you grab those, and then you grab the triangle of my races that I'm using, species, depending on, again, this is a thing that's adjusting right now in language, but let's say I put in, I've got my, I've decided to call them the Euro-Asian contingent, which is this, it's it's larger than just China and Japan. It's actually, it's huge. It's got a, a bunch of groups and they're one. And then you've got Africa and what they're bringing in, their culture, their lifestyle, their slang, and then your I guess you would just simply call them, the easiest way to call them would be future techno Vikings and what they're bringing in. All around them is the city itself. So in a way you could almost think these are the three working groups that sort of came into this city before some great devastation happened and caused them to be stuck there. So you can think of it that way if that helps you. And we see that all over the world, various different cities crop up, people go there to work and some stay, right? Some live forever. We saw it California gold rush. So you can think of it that way. But let's say you put this down, you put this down and you look at this and you can almost fit these in together and decide where or what group maybe picks wetware? Does one of these particular races like wetware more or dryware, hardwired? Do they, where do they inject? Are they, do they have these customs, these beliefs that are completely opposite? And we do even now, even right now we do. So of course with cybernetics, we're going to as races on this earth as species as the human species but multiple races you have all kinds of weird things that every single group believes or doesn't believe even across continents and so you can mix those together and then you add in other things when it comes down to it i decided the big ones would just be humanity this is my pyramid for fiction humanity cybernetics and magic how do those fight together how do those fight against each other that is another triangle that you could throw down. And you can literally, if you wanted to, and you wanted to randomize the world, you could throw it down. And let's say you threw it down and wetware was pointing towards the African uh, nation that I have in my game. Then you could be like, okay, that's what they're known for. That's their, maybe they're th this group that they brought in. That's maybe they brought it in. Maybe they're the ones who are skilled at that. And then you start looking at the other groups and this allows you to world build, allows you to do things that are crazy. I'm telling you right now, this is probably the, best advice I can give is to try this out because it absolutely works. It always has worked. It's just how even role-playing games do mental, physical, and social attributes. It's, it's quite literally how it works. And it works so for world building. It allows you to do so much in your world building and come up with so many interesting things. By the way, I use this in my reviews all the time, subconsciously now, but the reviews, graphics. Graphics is a triangle. It is. How do the graphics technically look? How do they reflect the fiction and art? And how do they perform? Boom, that's your triangle. That is how you should do things if you're looking at everything, not just from a black and white, but a gray standpoint. Let's say Star Wars, you got your Jedi one side, right? You have your Sith the other and the world itself, everybody else is really on the other tip of this triangle. And then what do we find later? We find out Yoda lied or Ben Kenobi lied, I'm sorry. And so you're like, oh my God, is he, that's not, he's not a Sith, right? No, he's like the rest of humanity in that gray area. The gray area is where everything cool happens. That's the way these triangles work for your world building. I'm telling you, do it right now. It's the same way you can build a character. Let's say you have a character and you're having a hard time building him. You're like, I don't know. 
I, maybe you break up your character stats like we do, where you have social, mental, physical. So you got like your strength and dexterity and constitution in one section, and then you have your manipulation or control your, let's say, what do we have for social? You have manipulation, control, appearance, and charisma in another, and then you have your perception, your wits, and your intelligence in another. And maybe you're like, how do I, how, how exactly do I make this character feel more alive? You know what, if you have to, drop a triangle, and roll a dice to figure out which one goes where and which one you're going to make prominent for your character. It will work. Trust me, it will work and it'll be awesome. All right. So that's the pyramid system and how, or the triangle system and how I use it for pretty much everything I do. And even just deciding right here, right now, how wetware works, dry wired, hardwired, how magic will work. Also, again, that flux, first memory, last memory, unable to do something. And then your X factor, vital. Now I want to close with this because I want to keep these under 30 minutes usually. You're going to hear people, especially in D&D, I just got to be honest, man. I have been out of the, the popular zeitgeist of role-playing for a while. We've done our own stuff, and then I was doing video games for about five, six years and started coming back and started going back to forums. And I was really shocked at how toxic and terrible the community as a whole is. And I got to admit, that's top creators as well. And I'm not going to call anybody out because I don't know their histories enough to say this should or shouldn't happen. But for a group or for an entire hobby that talks about inclusion, talks about very specific stuff, they're very much like the PC master race joke that we get in video games. And what's odd in video games is you have another triangle, right? You've got your Sony, your Microsoft and your PC, or you could consider Microsoft and PC on one and then your switch. So your handheld, your consoles and your PC, you could do it that way. So we always have this, but it's really off balance in role-playing games. I got to tell you, I, even asking, oh, it is ridiculous, man. I asked a question a couple times, various different creators about what do you think about this? Or here's an experience I had and their communities are so vile. I was just shocked how terrible they were. It was so weird to ask normal questions and they may be at a point where some groups are really, really on that really quick Twitch social media kind of thing where other groups may not, I don't know, but it has been a really almost revolting realization of how, how just mean everybody is. And I found this out also because I'm not a huge fan of a uh, critical role. I don't mean that in, I don't like them. I mean it that I'm not a huge fan. I don't watch the stuff. I'm, it, it hasn't grabbed me. One of the reasons why is because whatever on critical role, that's not, that's not, that's not the normal D&D that I think the majority of us will run into. You don't have your superstars. You don't have your voice actors. You've got people who are just trying and people who just want to have fun. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do stupid stuff, blah, blah, blah. And there's luckily for them, not going to be cameras on them. Right. But overall, you do see that this has popped up and become a thing. And I think that what's happened is because we've got more of a focus on it, you get people who get very, it's not even tribalish, man. It's just angry focus. So one thing you'll never hear from me is this is the only way to do it. I just want to make sure that's clear. It's a long way of saying it. I'm not going to say this is the only way to do it. There's multiple ways to do it. These have worked for me. There's multiple ways you can call certain things and you should never believe or never, never really gravitate towards one. D&D is doing their thing. Fifth, L, fifth edition is doing their thing. And if you want to go that route and use their terms and do their stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. That's exact. That's completely open. If you don't want to, I got to tell you as a person who believes in like the freedom of creating your own D&D game, you should be able to do that as well. And you'll see it with Warhammer 40,000 fans. They were terrible for a long time. Now, 
I've noticed that it's not so bad, and I don't know why, but it, it, it's definitely been a little easier to get in and read forums and see. And you, you always are going to get that person who's like, technically, Horace was 412 years old, and, not, and you're just like, oh my god. But overall, I found it pretty open, and that's what I want to make sure you guys understand, is this will be an open place for you guys. You, you'll be able to ask questions. I'll joke, of course. That's me. But... I don't want to tell you anything that I do is absolutely the best way to do it. It's just it it's what works for me, and I'm going to get fired up if it works for me. That's the way it's going to be. So I'm going to tell you this triangle system, you need to try it. And if you say, Carrick, shut the fuck up, first of all, I'd be mad. But second, there's not much I can say to that, right? I can just say, okay, it didn't work for that person. Anyway, what does work for me is you clicking on the affiliate link, using it. You telling other people if you like these. If you listen to the D&D podcast and you liked it, I would love for you to post it on, on a Twitter and say, hey, man, I watched this or listened to this podcast and I enjoyed it very much. Anyway, that's it for me. I hope all you guys have an incredible week. Peace out.